touch with your creator with a bacon love and chew she even speaks hebrew what's that got to do Welcome back to What's God Got to Do With It? And thank you so much for all the feedback we've received so far. And thank you to everyone who has followed or liked or subscribed to the podcast. And if you like what you've heard, we have so much great content for you on the way. So for example, next week, we're going to be talking about all about the faith brain connection. And so for all my logic and reason listeners, I totally have you covered. And we are going to talk about where faith meets science, specifically where the self-image meets neuroscience. We also have an entire episode coming up dedicated to what's God got to do with it when it comes to food and body image struggle. So if you struggle with the whole food and body conversation, or you just feel like it's the one thing you can't seem to control or get a hold of, and if you remember, that was my story for most of my life, we're going to take a deep dive into what God has to do with all of that. And then, of course, you just heard the two episodes with Pastor Kevin Queen, and if you missed those definitely go check those out. But we also have some other amazing interviews that you will get to hear very, very soon. So just make sure that you like and subscribe and come back every single Tuesday when new episodes of The God Pod drop. Okay, so before we dive into today's episode, I just want to bring you back to some important things we talked about in previous episodes, because it really does bear repeating. So when I first went on my own quest for surrender, which led me to seek God, words and language were extremely important to me. And coming from my background in all things brain and nervous system, the meanings associated with words have the power to either create positive or negative neuro associations in our brains. And that's why when it comes to the words and language that I'm using, I want you to meet yourself where you are. So as I'm using words like God or Holy Spirit or Jesus, you can interchange it with spirit or universe or higher power or source because I truly believe that experiencing the knowingness of who you are and stepping into your true worth is the most important thing here. And if you need to change some language in your own inner conversations to have it resonate with where you are and who you are right now, then I am totally cool with that. And the reason I keep emphasizing this is because I learned how important this is firsthand in the work that I do in the professional world with women and teens coming through my stressless eating program. So when the work that we do goes in that direction, and of course, my clients invite me to meet them in the spiritual conversation, or when they do invite me, I should say, I am constantly having to meet people where they are based on their own past experiences. So from women who were maybe burned by their childhood experiences of faith, or it was just a touchy spot for them, even though maybe they even, you know, really desired a deeper connection with God, or to women who identify as Christians, but they were carrying around so much shame that they had shame about their shame, or maybe they felt like, you know, bad Christians because they felt so far from God. I've even had fellow Jews who, just like me, God and Jesus or any faith-based conversations were not a part of their culture. So they needed to start with something like higher power. And you learn that when I first encountered this Jesus guy, as I call him, I replaced Jesus with the word universe and then eventually God because 
that's where I was in my journey. So right now, I just invite you to meet yourself where you are in this moment. And trust me when I say God will show you the words to align what you say and mean with what you feel. So when it comes to today's episode, I'm going to share all about how God helped me heal a really massive and long-standing belief of mine, the belief and fear that I was going to be alone the rest of my life. But also, I really want to shine a light on the process and invite you into healing some of your own long-withstanding stuff while I share mine. Because I'm going to share this specific example, but really it's a process that you can wash, rinse, and repeat to meet you in your own doubts and in your own shame and in your own limiting beliefs. And that's where I also want to point out that my life was not roses and butterflies the moment I gave my life over to God. There were still some residual beliefs that I had tucked away in the back of my own brain. And for some of them, I knew they were there. And then there were ones that were in my blind spot and I just couldn't see what I couldn't see. And that's why I want to be clear that I'm not trying to paint this podcast or finding God for that matter as some one and done solution to all of life's problems problems and circumstances, right? But I do believe that how we view our challenges and the thoughts and beliefs that we practice every day, and then of course our identity and the lens that we see ourselves through, all of that will absolutely make or break how you experience all of life's problems and who you become in the face of them when they do come. Because trials will come. It's it's one of the things we can count on, right? But that's really the beauty of this podcast. Like I kind of just want to, you know, lay it out for you. And I really plan on laying it out for you as it happened for me and just invite you into your own versions of similar conversations. But when it comes to all this mind stuff, I'm most likely not going to come at it from the typical perspective that I see and hear that beliefs are often approached. And this episode is just one example of what I mean when I say where faith meets science, because as you'll learn, I needed to actually call on my own understanding of the brain to meet me in my own skepticism and doubt and fill in the gaps where my faith had, I mean, honestly, they were just gaps, right? And this is where you'll start to learn more about my semi-obsession with the part of the brain that houses the self-image, and that will connect a lot of dots to understand what God's got to do with all of this belief stuff, which you'll learn a bit about in this week's episode, but in next week's episode, I'm really going to do a deep dive on that. But the reason I'm even mentioning all of that right now is because this is the thought process that helped me meet my skeptical, cynical brain where it was. And like I shared before, once I unlocked the magic and possibility that exists within the human body and nervous system, and because of the neuroplastic, malleable, pliable nature of this machine of possibility that we all have access to, combined with the law of cause and effect programming that we can all feed it in order to transform, slap on understanding why we do what we do and why we say what we say and why we feel how we feel and why we cope with those emotions however we cope with them. And heck, there is no judgment and no shame. But in the name of full transparency, you know, I've used everything from food and Netflix to social media and weed. And trust me when I say I am not claiming to be perfect. And it goes without saying that I don't want you to feel like you have to be either. So that being said, 
said, being exposed to all of the healing powers of the nervous system on a science level essentially just primed my mind, my heart, my soul, and my spirit for seeing what I couldn't yet see on a spiritual level. But again, and as you can imagine, for any curious science-driven gal that all of a sudden, after 30 years, decided she wanted to go find God, it made me extremely skeptical and cynical about the whole faith side of things. Because again, if there wasn't a research paper about it, or I couldn't see it with my own human eyes, I didn't believe it. And that's why for the sake of this episode, I want to start by literally meeting you in your own skepticism and doubt about your own beliefs, because I believe that's truly how I'm going to best serve you in shifting them. So let's just start there, because you can read all the self-help books in the world and attend every webinar and post all the motivational quotes on your wall, and you can know the Bible inside and out and be able to recite scripture on demand and, and technically be very schooled in all things spirituality or theology. But if you don't believe in what you're actually saying or reading or doing, you're going to feel out of alignment. And that's when that gap between what we say and how we actually feel and what we actually do can just become a massive gap filled with broken promises and unmet goals. But if fake it till you make it and acting as if and reciting all the scripture hasn't cut it, there's a big reason why. Because there is a science behind shifting our beliefs. But I also believe that when you start looking for that crossover where science meets faith and faith meets science, that's when things really start to get interesting. And for me, you know, they just got exponentially easier and calmer and and really more aligned. And in my experience, things started happening that can't not force you to wonder if there's something bigger at play and that you couldn't have even imagined or asked for the goodness that ended up happening. Or on the flip side, you know, when things don't go your way, I believe it's possible for you to find peace in the storm so that you can get back to becoming the version of yourself you need to become to receive it when it does happen, rather than taking yourself down a rabbit hole of disappointment or, you know, worrying if it won't happen, which, you know, we are human and that happens to all of us. But I believe we are in control of how long and how far and how frequently we go down those rabbit holes of shame, fear, anxiety, worry, disappointment, numbing, soothing, you know, fill in the blank with wherever we go. And since I promised to show you where faith meets science, I think that is really the perfect way to just walk you through what I want to walk you through. Since I promised to show you where faith meets science, I think that is really the perfect way to just walk you through what I want to walk you through. So first, I'm going to share my own general paradigm of how I was looking at my own beliefs and, and really working with my clients on their own beliefs before, you know, this Jesus guy came along. Okay. Then I'll share how I took that very same process and I transformed it by simply asking, you know, what's God got to do with my beliefs? And I just invited him into the conversation. And then I'm going to share one of my own big, hair beliefs as it showed up in my life, and I'm going to be totally vulnerable and not hold back. 
But also just a heads up that this episode is going to give you more or less like a high level overview of this process and walk you through an example. But this whole beliefs topic, it's a massive subject. And we as humans, we have so many three dimensional beliefs that we carry around with us. And that's why I'm so excited to start that conversation now and give you a new way to approach your own beliefs and invite God into conversation that just like I was, you know, trying to human your way through it. And don't worry, because I'll have future episodes where I'm going to go narrower and deeper into more specific beliefs and topics that you can explore within your own relationship with God. Okay, so specifically today, I'm going to walk you through my former fear of being alone the rest of my life, which you'll learn wasn't really the real fear. That's just what I thought it was. But we have beliefs about everything, and I'm going to share mine in order to help you relinquish your own shame so that you can reconcile your own beliefs. And so I'm going to share, you know, beliefs about my body and fears about money, you name it. I'm going to share them, and we will look at all of those and more in specific episodes moving forward. But back to where faith meets science and science meets faith. So let's start off with the science and maybe, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, the logic and reason side of this, okay? So those deepest held beliefs that we have about ourselves, right? The ones that have been haunting us the longest, maybe they're the deepest, like they have the deepest roots or the longest threads and the ones that are really the most painful or maybe they just created the most shame for you and and whether you're aware of it or not, those beliefs become your self-image, okay? Those become the goggles that you see yourself through. So if you do, or maybe you have been for a while, either telling yourself that you're unworthy or unlovable or undesirable or a disappointment, a failure, maybe you're telling yourself that you're living beneath your potential or that you're weak-willed or a self-sabotager, just fill in the blank. So if you've actively and consciously been telling yourself stuff like that, or if you didn't even know you were saying those things, and maybe it was unconscious or subconscious, right? Simply put, those beliefs become your self-image and how you see yourself, how you perceive yourself, and what you believe to be true about yourself. And if you're really not aware of it, you start to become identified by those things. So for me, it started showing up as me trying to prove that I was attractive or lovable or needed or wanted or successful or all those things. And like I did what I had to do to feel like I was proving those things. And so that meant that I was chasing things like skinny or popular or chasing a relationship. And, you know, there's no shame about it. It's it's really how our brains and self-images work. We we really start chasing after what we value because we as humans in some way shape or form, we want to feel like we are increasing our own value or our own worth. It's it's just kind of the human part of us. But I believe that this can become super dangerous if your value is solely determined by things like, you know, gene size or bank balance or scale weight or relationship status or likes or hearts on Instagram or Facebook or, or fill in the blank with all of those worldly quantifiable pursuits, because then our whole identity becomes wrapped up in that. Okay. 
It's all we think about. We chase it. Heck, we sometimes obsess over it. And again, I've obsessed over so many things thinking it would make me happy only to find out that I was chasing the wrong things. And that's why I'm not here. I'm not like calling you out. I'm calling it out and showing you I've been there too and there's no shame. But until we become aware of it and actively shift our gaze and renew our minds and posture our hearts and spirits in a different direction, unfortunately, it will stay that way. And I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom here. Like, I'm just really trying to keep it real and share what I wish somebody had told me years ago. So really, that's my first invitation for you. I just want to invite you to try on this idea that you can shift your beliefs and take on a whole new identity, that what you've been chasing and what you've been valuing doesn't have to be the the thing going forward. And what you're believing about yourself doesn't have to be what you believe about yourself moving forward, okay? But while you're doing that, like while you're you know trying on this idea that, wow, maybe I can shift my values and I can shift my beliefs, there's something else that's really important that I want to bring up. And again, we're, we're staying on this logic and reason side for a moment, right? So when it comes to shifting your beliefs and your identity, your self-image knows how you really feel deep down inside, okay? So if you are trying to step into a new belief that deep down you truly don't believe, or maybe you're thinking that you're lying to yourself, your brain and nervous system can actually detect that, okay? And I'm just going to give you the Cliff Notes version of this, and I'm not going to get too geeky, but you're going to want to keep this in mind as we go. So Every thought that you think and every feeling that you feel, it has a physical, chemical, biological response, kind of like a frequency, okay? And it's actually a very researched, well-known science, but it's not really often talked about in the mainstream world, okay? But on top of that, thoughts can also lay down two very different types of pathways in your brain called neuroassociations. Now, this is the second time I'm mentioning that neuroassociations word in this episode, but you're either laying down positive neuroassociations or negative neuroassociations. So you might be wondering, like, what determines that? What? How is it going to be negative? What's going to force it to be positive? And the simple answer is resonance. Like, does it resonate with you? And here's what I mean. So let's say that you say something to yourself that does not feel true right? Or it does not resonate or you're outright calling it out as a lie in the back of your mind, your brain will lay down those negative neuro associations alongside that thought. And that lie or that belief that you don't really believe, it's actually going to work against you changing your beliefs and you're never really truly going to download it or believe it. And it's not going to become part of your self-image and identity. Okay, but on the flip side, if you meet yourself in your doubt, right, or in your unbelief and you use words that actually feel true or they meet you in the unbelief, right, and it resonates when your brain experiences truth and something resonates with you big time, it lays down those positive neuro associations alongside that thought. And those positive neuro associations are kind of like the secret sauce for transforming 
transforming your beliefs in a way where it just becomes your new reality because it aligns, okay? So that's really the oversimplified version. Like the bottom line is don't outright lie to yourself as you're choosing new beliefs. You want to choose beliefs that really resonate with you and meet you where you are, even if you feel doubt. Because if you really do want to change your beliefs or believe a new reality, it's got to feel good, it's got to feel true, and it's got to resonate. Otherwise, you're not really going to believe it. And that's why I keep telling you in every episode, I'm like, hey, don't just take my word for it. Don't just like, you know, lie to yourself if you don't believe it, right? Try it on, see what fits, and ditch the rest. And that's why, because I want this to really land for you. And this is actually a good time to share another distinction, and it's really one that changed the game for me when I first started even entertaining this idea of going on a faith journey. It's this, the the difference between thinking thoughts of positive anticipation or positive expectation or thinking thoughts of negative anticipation or negative expectation, okay? As in, you can negatively anticipate the future, aka, you know, fear or anxiety or worry or dread, fill in the blank, or you can positively anticipate the future, you know, hope, belief, positive expectation, and really like focusing on a solution or like an action that will move you forward. And this is something that only you can choose, okay? And trust me, I get the irony of this because this is where faith comes in, right? And as I said, when I first found God, and I still say it today, it takes faith to have faith. Like it takes faith to believe in what you can't yet see. And it takes faith to have that positive anticipation or positive expectation. It takes faith to have faith. Okay. And I used to say this too, and and I hear it from others all the time. And it's this idea of, you know, but Leanne, I don't have any guarantee that it will happen. And I don't want to get my hopes up or be too optimistic. And I totally get that side of it too. But I'm not talking about delusional optimism, right? I'm not talking about, you know, magic genie lamps or prayers for winning the lottery or anything like that. I'm just inviting you to at least see that you don't have to choose negative anticipation. You can choose to positively anticipate your future. It really is just a choice. And the super interesting thing about this, and and this is the last time this episode, I'll get a bit geeky, but I find it super interesting that anxiety and excitement, okay? Yeah, you can imagine anxiety and excitement, they are two very different experiences for us as humans. But anxiety and excitement, they look very similar on a brain scan, okay? And so oversimplifying it again, isn't it safe to say that anxiety is just a negative anticipation or expectation of your future, while excitement is really just a positive anticipation or expectation of your future, right? But both of these things are a perception, and they're a perception that you can choose any day, any time, any moment. So you can either worry about what might happen or just positively anticipate that it will all work out, 
right? Or maybe even hopeful and prayerful about what might happen. And both of these scenarios are literally all manufactured in your head. And I'll repeat, you know, this is where the faith comes in. And sometimes that is not easy, right? But also coming back to this idea of meeting you in your current doubts and belief, that whole it has to resonate with you factor, that that's why as I'm taking you through the process I'm about to take you through, you don't want to just jump from a belief of like, you know, I am unworthy or ugly or unlovable or fill in the blank, like one of those really like dark, deep beliefs. You don't want to jump from a belief like that and try to take a massive leap over to, no, you are worthy and lovable and your dream body, your dream job, your dream relationship is right around the corner. And I know, I know, I see some of the same fake positivity on Instagram that you see. And even though, yeah, that might actually be true, like your dream job might be around the corner and your dream relationship might be around the corner, right? But Going from I'm unworthy or I'm unlovable to no, you are worthy, you are perfect without meeting yourself where you are right now. Like, no, you're probably not going to believe that right now. I wish you would. Right. But it's a very, very big. It's really a massive leap of from where you feel right now to where you want to eventually get to. And like I shared before, that big of a leap and you saying something that you don't really deep down believe, it will actually undermine you overhauling your beliefs if you feel like you're flat out lying to yourself, okay? So you've got to meet yourself where you are in your doubt because like I said, your self-image knows how you really feel. So it's gotta feel good, it's gotta feel true, and it's gotta resonate. Or at the very least, it can't just create that dissonance. And for me, this all happened in phases. Like it wasn't an overnight thing. And this is actually the perfect time to share another kind of important sidetrack. So when I first started my faith walk, I was trying to get connected at Crosspoint, and I ended up working with one of the high school ministries called the Teen Dream Center. And the man who runs that ministry, Ketrick, who is unbelievably wise and gifted and will be a guest on this podcast very soon, so you'll meet him. Well, Ketrick told me about something called Freedom Prayer. And essentially, Freedom Prayer, it's this personal prayer ministry where anyone can just schedule a focused prayer time with a member of the Freedom Prayer team. And really, it's designed to help you recognize and resolve anything keeping you from having a close relationship with God. So I scheduled a freedom prayer session pretty much right away, honestly not even knowing what it really was. And that's actually a funny story for another day. But now I'm actually on the prayer team and I serve on the ministry and there's so much goodness that I could share about that. But the reason I'm sharing about it now is because once again, there was now something else that connected with me and resonated with me so deeply and so instantly. And now I know that it was because it aligned with what I already knew about the human brain and, uh, you know, what I knew about addressing hurts and wounds and identifying and breaking strongholds and how to bring healing and freedom. But in the case of freedom prayer, it was all with the purpose of knowing God better. And in my case, for me, that really meant seeing myself through God's eyes, which like I shared at that point in time, that wasn't really even on my radar. So, you know, overhauling beliefs, cool, you know, but seeing it through God's eyes, definitely new to me because remember, I, I was still 
skills trying to strictly brain change my way through my beliefs. And yes, I was using the emotional tools and they were working really well, but I didn't have the spiritual tools yet that I needed to break through some of those long withstanding beliefs. And this is why God's timing is so good, because as I got more and more involved with Freedom Prayer, one of the massive gifts that God gave me through that process was was this concept in language of something that they call unbiblical beliefs. Okay, now, again, keep in mind at this point, I had been teaching beliefs for over a decade. But this concept of unbiblical beliefs, like that felt revelatory to me. And I immediately saw that my old beliefs or, you know, now I see them that they were just lies and non-truths that I was telling myself. But, you know, at the time, like I could come up with these new Leanne versions of the truth. Right. And, And that is a really important step. Right. Like you definitely want to see it through your own eyes. But now I was seeing that, like, what if there were also these unbiblical beliefs and I could refer to scripture and God's words about the truth and find biblical truths about these unbiblical beliefs? Like, that was something I had never thought about or tried to do. So I literally, and again, talk about just trying things on and and throwing stuff at a wall and see what sticks. I literally just started Googling things like, what does the Bible say about shame? Or what does the Bible say about being alone the rest of your life? Or what does the Bible say about body image? And it really ended up being like this gateway of inviting God into my science and brain experiments. So now you're probably starting to see all of these pieces coming together. And like I said, it's my version of where science meets faith and faith meets science. So first, remember, there was this paradigm I was seeing things through of how I was looking at my own beliefs and working with my clients on their own beliefs before this Jesus guy came along, right? But then when I took that very same process and transformed it by simply asking, what's God got to do with my beliefs? And I invited him into the conversation. That's when everything transformed. So let's look at a specific belief so you can see how this played out in reality and you can kind of get a picture in your mind of what I mean. So this is a belief and the story that I had been painting in my mind and my brain and heart for a very long time. So again, lots of deep roots on this one. And it was fear about being alone the rest of my life and my belief that I would never find somebody to love me. So again, this one ran deep for me, like really, really deep. And you heard my shame story on episode one, a scientist goes looking for God. But just to paint the picture, you know, I grew up hearing things like she'd be so pretty if she lost weight. And, you know, my childhood and most of my teen years were spent, you know, being friends with all the boys, but never having me them like me like that. You know what I mean? And that caused me to believe from a very young age that there was something wrong with me and that I was unlovable or unworthy of truly being loved for all of me. And in all honesty, later in life, that became the belief that I was unmarriable. Okay. So again, these these beliefs, they start somewhere and then they, they They grow weeds and they fester because I'm sure you can imagine how this belief that started out when I was a little girl 
it kept growing weeds and festering all the way into my mid-30s. And that's conveniently when the incessant, like, so when are you going to get married and settle down questions started happening. And even though I was loving and supportive of my friends, if I'm totally honest, I was starting to get really jealous of all of the people's weddings and baby showers I was attending because secretly I felt so alone. And yes, in many ways, I felt behind in this world. Like because I wasn't married in my mid-30s, I was some sort of epic failure, right? Now, obviously, these are beliefs which I eventually reconciled, but if you're listening to this right now and you've experienced anything similar yourself, you know what I'm saying, okay? These beliefs are hard on you and they can like be heartbreaking, you know? But also the sneaky thing about this belief in particular that I'm talking about and, and you know, the fear of being alone the rest of my life, the sneaky thing about it is that this was not the true belief that I needed to face head on. In fact, I realized that how I was feeling had little to do with whether or not I was married or even getting closer to being married because of God's grace, I had the awareness to start seeing things like, hmm, interesting, my clients that are happily married or have kids or grandkids, they have some of the feelings and fears that I do, right? The fear of rejection and the fear of abandonment and the fear of really being seen and really being known for all of who they are, like even the dark parts. And yeah, like they felt it too, yet they had the marriage and the family, the things that I was like swearing would make me feel the way that I wanted to feel and would make me feel whole and complete, right? But I was seeing it. I was like, wait, they have marriage. Like, so it's not marriage that's causing this, right? And that's when God gifted me the wisdom to see that, again, it wasn't really about my circumstances, which I very much labeled and identified with the word single at the time, by the way. But it was wasn't about that. It was about the state of my heart and really the beliefs that I was repeating over and over again about my circumstances. And the deep beliefs, if I'm truly honest, the deep beliefs were really no one will ever fully love me and no one can air quotes handle me. And if they find out who I really am, they'll reject me or leave me or fill in the blank because I am not worthy of being loved for who I am. That was it. Okay. That was the deep down belief. I am not worthy of being loved for who I am. And it wasn't the fear of being alone the rest of my life. That was the symptom of the deeper belief about myself, which was that I'm not worthy of being loved for who I am. And I was unconscious of that deep, like the true belief until I wasn't, right? That's why I say it's sneaky, right? Because you're unconscious until you aren't anymore. And so once I became conscious of it, that's when I, you know, like I said, the first step for me was to make it over as Leanne, the scientific thinking self-image seeker and meet myself in my doubt and my skepticism. Because, you know, saying to myself things like, Leanne, your person is out there. You will find him. Like the kind of generic stuff that people say to that, right? That was also the stuff that didn't feel true to me at the time, because that's the kind of stuff that was way too painful to say, because I had no evidence of the contrary. And and keep in mind, I was still super new to the faith side of things. So naturally, I just started with what I knew, which was the science of the self-image. And self-image Leanne made over the belief by saying, okay, Leanne, like, you're right. Whether you think it's possible or whether you think 
think it's not, you are right. But now it is time to stop perpetuating the negative anticipation that it's never going to happen because that is something in your control. And I kind of like had to adult myself. I was like, okay, Leanne, like I see you where you are, but like we are done taking ourselves down that spiral of negative anticipation. At least let's stop that. Like I'm not trying to convince you to believe that what's possible, but I'm just telling you to stop the, the tirade of unbelief, right? And, and this next part, remember, this is still that crossover time in my life where I was still just really beginning my relationship with God. So I know I just said it was my logical self-image brain, but some of the realizations I had, like I look back at that now and I know they were a gift from God because what I saw and heard next was beyond me at that point in time, okay? Essentially, I heard God say, Leanne, The work is not hoping that a man finds you lovable and worthy. The work and the path is you seeing that in you. It's time for you to go find yourself lovable and worthy. So go work on that. Go think on that and ask me, aka God, to help you fill in those gaps. And so... Naturally, as you can imagine, after hearing that and seeing that, it gradually switched to a less, you know, self-imagey, brainy conversation and became more of a God conversation. So at this point, I had my new, you know, I'll call them Leanne beliefs that were going on in the background, just reminding myself like, nope, Leanne, we are no longer feeding the negative anticipation. The new focus is this idea that the work is not hoping that a man finds you lovable and worthy. The work is is that you find yourself lovable and worthy and find the lovableness and worthiness in yourself first. And so that became my prayer, right? So instead of, and here's another big distinction, right? Instead of praying and asking God to send me a man or send me a husband, I asked God to help me fill in the lovableness and the worthiness gaps for myself. And then, like I shared, as my faith life started increasing, my new belief and new prayer became, okay, Leanne, God is doing his work in you right now so he can prepare you to actually feel worthy of receiving the love that he has for you. But on top of that, I stacked on this new layer of prayer and belief because, again, like God starts painting pictures in your brain. It's like it, you just roll with it, right? And so I started saying, okay, while I'm doing this work on myself and connecting to myself and connecting to God, the man for me is doing the work on himself too and connecting to God himself. And he's preparing himself for me, right? And again, it was literally a shift from negative anticipation to positive anticipation, but one that still met me in my doubt and one that redirected my emotional and spiritual gaze. And boy, did God deliver on that, okay? And spoiler alert, at the time of recording this, I'm about six weeks away from marrying the love of my life, who I get to be all of who I am unapologetically and receive all of the love that he has to give. And I feel worthy of receiving it, right? And again, this was not who I was a few years ago. But another spoiler alert, right? He He was also doing the work on himself. And when I met him, you know, he had been meeting with a counselor to work on his own mental and emotional health. And he was renewing his own relationship with God before we met. So like, is that a coincidence? I personally think it's not, but we can talk about that more another time.
So yeah, that's kind of how it all started, okay? And that's how I started simply inviting God into my beliefs about myself and really contributing to my shifting identity through his eyes. But that's just how it started. There's one more layer, don't you worry. And remember, it didn't start out like uh, as a conversation with God, right? At first, it was more a logic and reason thing to meet myself in my own doubt. And even though I was connecting with God in my own life at that point in time, the beliefs were still a lot of my own doing. Maybe there was a little bit of God, but it was still me trying to kind of human my way through it. But that's where now I'm going to connect that final dot that I shared earlier, which was the revelation I got from Freedom Prayer, right? And so again, it's no coincidence that the timing of all of this, it lined up with my experience experiences with freedom prayer and looking at my belief, but all of my beliefs, I should say, not just this one through the lens of, you know, is it, where's the unbiblical belief versus creating a biblical belief? And wow, like just that distinction added gasoline to the fire that I had already started. So like I said, I simply started with identifying the old belief and the negative anticipation that I had been, you know, practicing day in, day out. And I shifted the belief in the eyes of my own language and thoughts. Okay, but then this next part, what really changed the game for me was referring to God's words about my problems or circumstances. And that's where, like I said, I literally just started Googling things like what does the Bible say about being alone the rest of your life? And what does the Bible say about shame? And what does the Bible say about body image? And it ended up kind of being, again, like this gateway of inviting God into my science and brain experiments. And once again, I just met myself where I was in my skepticism, in my doubt, but also my desire to believe because that was the whole point of this. Like I wanted new beliefs. Like I didn't want to be in that downward spiral, right? And in the midst of that doubt and that belief, I realized that some of the scripture I was coming across, it didn't necessarily speak to me or make sense to me just yet. So I would just find the ones that did and the ones that spoke to my soul and really cut through those unbiblical beliefs that I had been practicing. And those were the ones I would roll with because remember, resonance is everything. So here's what it looked like now after I added what I'm calling the the God lair. Okay. So we remember the lie or the old belief, right? Like that no one will ever fully love me, that no one can handle me. And that if they find out who I really am, they'll reject me, leave me, fill in the blank because I am not worthy of being loved for who I am right? Then I added my new Leanne belief. And you'll remember that that was, okay, Leanne, the work was not hoping that a man finds you lovable and worthy, and you're not praying for God to send you a husband. The work is for you seeing that you're lovable and worthy in you, seeing that in you. And it's time for you to go find yourself lovable and worthy. So go work on that and go think on that and ask God to help you fill in those gaps. And now I was ready to add the God layer and what I call my godly beliefs. And that's where, like I said, I just started finding scripture that spoke to me and resonated, but also that just solidified the beliefs that I was trying to establish. Okay. So for example, I found scripture from Psalm 37, four that said, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that was the NIV version of Psalm 37, four. And that 
that reminded me of my commitment to stop looking for love from a man to make me feel lovable and to build that love within myself by immersing myself in my relationship with God and seeing myself through God's eyes to, as he says, take delight in the Lord and he will give me the desires of my heart. So that was one scripture that really supported my new beliefs. I also found this scripture from Isaiah 34, 16 that totally gave me peace. And it said, look in the scroll of the Lord, aka the Bible, look in the scroll of the Lord and read. None of these will be missing. No one will lack her mate, for it is his mouth that has given the order and his spirit will gather them together. And that was from Isaiah 34, 16, also the NIV version. But this scripture, it just reinforced like Leanne, read. Read the Bible, fill your heart with biblical truth, and God literally said, no one will lack her mate. It doesn't say his mate, okay? Sorry, guys, this is how I read it, right? It says her mate, and I remember the first time I read that, I took that as him talking to Leanne, right? And I took that as him saying, like... He's going to do this for you. And the the scripture goes on to say, say, like, his spirit will gather them together. Like, it's not of your doing, Leanne. That's what I kind of kept telling myself. that, And that was my reminder about the faith part of this. Because that's the part that was so hard coming from my, my normal, like, hey, I just have to go do it and control it and force it and, like, make stuff happen and white knuckle. Like, that was my old mentality, right? Faith is still, like, a new concept to me at this point. So, you know, the, again, reminding me that faith, like, Leanne, have faith faith, like let God do a work in this and to focus on who I'm becoming rather than obsessing over finding a husband. And that in itself brought me so much peace. Okay. So now that's two different scriptures that reinforce kind of like two different elements of the new beliefs I was trying to establish. But there was one more I found that really sealed the deal for me on this belief. And it kind of like hit on a point that was not super obvious to me at first. And it was the scripture from 2 Corinthians 6.14. And it said, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And this scripture, it's pretty, it's pretty popular, I would say. I, I don't know if popular is the right word, but it's it's a common, well-known scripture. And it's interesting because it, it actually usually gets brought up when you're talking about finding your mate or finding your husband or wife. And and I did reconnect to this scripture when it came to actually, you know, entering into a relationship with somebody. But for this belief, I was actually drawn to this scripture based on this idea of me being yoked together with myself. And when I read, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, it made me realize that I was the unbeliever yoked together with like the believer side of myself. Like I was, I was split in two, right? I had hopes for love and worthiness, but I was yoked to a version of me that was calling myself unworthy and forgetting who I am in God's eyes. And when it said, you know, what fellowship can light have with darkness, I saw that I was the darkness putting out my own light. And until I yoked my heart and soul and spirit to love and worthiness, I would be the wickedness that the scripture mentions, always working against my own righteousness and my own darkness would cast out my own light. So this became a part of my godly beliefs, right? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness. And again, that was from 2 Corinthians 6.14. So now 
I had my own Leanne beliefs anchored with not one, not two, but three scriptures that reminded me of God's words and God's views about my unbelief, right? And not just any scripture that somebody gave me or told me I should read. It was handpicked by me. And I only picked ones that resonated to my bones. And again, like the ones that I picked might not resonate with you, but that's why it's so important that you find ones that resonate with you, right? And that's what I mean when I say I asked, what's God got to do with my beliefs? And that's what he's got to do with it, right? I mean, can you see how powerful that is connecting the faith piece of the puzzle to the science piece or the science piece to the faith piece. And, and here's what I'll reiterate, like, don't just take my word for it. Try this on. So first, find the lie and find that old nasty belief that's been hanging around you for a while and really just identify it. Make the unconscious conscious and then create your own new belief that resonates with where you are right now and then anchor it. Anchor it with God's beliefs and God's words that resonate with you to your bones. And you can do it in the opposite. Like if you're in that place where you're like, Leanne, I can't even think of the new belief because I'm so kind of tied up or wrapped up in the old belief. Start with God's words about your belief and build your own words after that. So you have your version of the truth. You have God's version of the truth. And hopefully, hopefully they align again, right? Like you don't want to just kind of make it in a way that it it serves the lie. Because a lot of times like we can find something that will reinforce enforce old beliefs, right? So again, I, I want you to meet yourself where you are in your skepticism and doubt, but just be mindful that you're not using scripture to kind of perpetuate an old lie, if that makes sense. But we can we can get into that more another time. Again, like I said, this is kind of a high level overview. But again, like every single day, I would just wash, rinse, repeat until I felt it in my bones. And here's the thing, like I'm not talking months or years or even weeks, right? Within a matter of days of the repetition of just trying this on as my new story and my new set of beliefs, my mind and heart and spirit were totally transforming. So now this whole finding a relationship or finding my husband conversation, it just turned into a conversation where I said, okay, God, like I'm in a surrender that over to you, or I am surrendering it over to you. And for now, I'm going to date you, right? And I'm going to let you show me who I am and show me what true love and acceptance and accepting all of me truly is. And in the meantime, I'm going to trust that while you're doing these works for me, you're also doing the same thing to, to the person that I'm meant to spend the rest of my life with. And yes, that's where the trust all came in. Like that was faith, right? But that's what I did. I handed it over and repeated on repeat like a broken record and I would just read those few verses and just seed it into my reality. And again, I just met myself in my own doubt and I made over the belief in my own words and then I backed it up with scripture. And now, you know, this was just one big belief that I did this for, but there were so many others that I did this for too, which I promise to share in future episodes, but I'll just leave it at that for now. Okay. And as always, like, just remember everything I share is simply an invitation without expectation to try on a new story or new perspective and just see what meets you where you are in your own journey. 
And we will definitely be back with more What's God Got to Do With It. But in the meantime, I would love to hear from you. So tell me, do you have beliefs that you know you want to make over and love the idea of inviting God into the conversation? I'd love to know where you are in your story and your beliefs and your journey and what questions you might have or where you feel like you might need clarity or wisdom in your own journey. I definitely want to hear from you. So head on over to whatsgodgottodowithit.com and scroll down to the form to share your thoughts, questions, your beliefs, your feedback, anything that you want to share. You can do it instantly over there at whatsgodgottodowithit.com. And if you like this podcast and want to hear more, follow, like, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get your weekly dose of what's God got to do with it. New episodes drop every Tuesday. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review to show your support. It really means so much. What's God Got to Do With It is an iHeartRadio podcast on the Amy Brown Podcast Network. It's written and hosted by me, Leanne Ellington. Executive produced by Elizabeth Fazio. Post-production and editing by Houston Tilly. And original music written by Cheryl Stark and produced by Adam Stark. Adam Stark.